Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. While you're finding that, I also want to say thank you to several of our church leaders who were able to go with us Friday night and Saturday to Jacksonville, and um, we were privileged to be in a conference, a teaching sessions, both Friday night and Saturday, and um, Brother Wayne Huntley, Brother David Myers were the speakers. And they just kind of peeled off little pieces of themselves and imparted that and planted that uh, in our heart. And I want to thank our leadership for their willingness to do that. Obviously, it doesn't always work out in everybody's schedule to be able to attend these things, but I'm thankful for those who were able to go. We had a good number of people that were there and a lot of great information that was shared because we don't want to just maintain status quo. We want to grow. We want to grow as individuals and, and, um, and stretch ourselves as far as we possibly can. I also want to say thank you to our Bible quiz teams and uh, to those that were diligently working Friday and Saturday as well. So there's a lot of moving parts, and I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing in our church. You're going to hear more about the Bible quizzing in our second service. But for now, if you'll join us in the book of Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. We have been uh, in a series that I have entitled Foundations. Um, This is the several weeks we have been talking about the things, the fundamental things that help us be who God has called us to be. And, um, And I think if we're going to shout, we need to have something to shout about and we need to have an understanding of what we're shouting about. If we have anything to rejoice over, let's have a clear and concise understanding. So in the book of Romans, chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. Amen. Today I, I want to talk to you about the subject of justification. It is very, very important that we understand the process of justification in, in the salvation journey. And um, I pray that God's, will, God's word will find a, a place in our heart that it can take root. Because we need the word of God. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Um, Romans 1.17, Paul, Paul closely quotes from Habakkuk 2 and 4. And uh, I say closely quotes uh, that because 
there is just one word that Paul leaves out. I don't think it was sinister on his part by any stretch of the imagination, but Paul is referring back to the minor prophet Habakkuk about the just living by faith. The prophet Habakkuk, I think it's important for us to at least underline this particular point, was writing during a time when Israel was headed for judgment at the hand of the Babylonians. And uh, they knew where they were going. As a matter of fact, they knew how long they were going to be there. And so it was a, it was a pretty dark and dismal journey to know that you're about to go into a 70-year storm. And so Habakkuk questioned how long God's people are going to be able to hold on or endure during this calamitous season of their life. How are we going to be able to make it? I think that's a fair question. And if, I think if the Lord were to tell us today that we've got uh, 70 years of storms ahead of us or 70 days of storms ahead of us, 70 hours of storms ahead of us, 70 minutes of storms ahead of us, I think it may cross our mind to say, Lord, how are we going to endure this? How are we going to make it? How are we going to make it? And so the Lord answered Habakkuk by saying this, the just shall live by his faith. How are we going to survive this? We're going to survive this by your faith, by your faith. And so I'm thankful for the faith of God. And I'm thankful for the faith that God has in the church to be able to make it. We're going to make it. This is not a pep rally atmosphere, but I just want to emphatically tell you that the church is going to survive. And so the safest thing we can do is hook our lives to the church and hang on. God has, uh, God has the chosen response, or ch God has chosen the response of faith as a means of justification not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well. And so we have this element of faith. Hebrews talks about this faith that without this, we cannot please God. And so we have to have this rudimentary, fundamental basis of faith. And so anything that we would do to try to attain divine favor through our own righteousness or works or whatever, uh, whatever you want to plug in or insert into that, I can promise you, is destined to fail. It's not by what I can do. I can't be holy enough, clean enough, walk straight enough, talk clean enough in order to garner salvation or the favor of God in my life. And so the book of Romans describes justification for us, and here it is. God's act of counting an individual just or justified in his sight by that person's faith in the redemptive pur purpose of Calvary. And so it's not what we do that makes us righteous or justifies us, but it is our faith and confidence in the process of Calvary. So I want to say this today, that we should never tire of hearing songs or sermons about Calvary because it, that is the connect point for mankind. And so we shouldn't hear... On a hill far away stood an old rug across and roll our eyes and think, here we go again. No, we ought to lift our hands and our hearts and say, there it is again. The entire purpose of why we're here is because of Calvary. And so our, our faith in God's redemptive sacrifice 
at Calvary's cross. And so don't ever let anybody minimize Calvary or, or minimize the work uh, that was taking place on that cross that day because the word justification, the word justification in and of itself is somewhat a legal term in which righteousness is credited to a person. I, I want you to hear me carefully because I'm choosing my words carefully. Justification is somewhat a legal term that means that righteousness is credited, credited to our account, so to speak. It is credited rather than just extended to us on the basis of personal works. It's not something that we've done, not something that we can earn. It's not how many hoops we can jump through or uh, uh, things of that nature. Humanity's need for justification is rooted in the very nature of God because God will not ignore human sin. You can sin as you may, sin as you wish, but God does not ignore human sin. He knows about that, takes account of that, and that grieves the heart of God. And so from the fall of the Garden of Eden, man has needed salvation to renew mankind's position with God. So there's this chasm, or a gulf that was created by sin in the Garden of Eden. And sin from that time until now has always and will continue to separate man from God. In the beginning, mankind was created to be in communion with God. And apparently from what we can gather in the beginning passages of Scripture, that man communed with God apparently on a daily basis to be able to have uninhibited relationships with the Lord. Now, it's a little bit hard for us to grasp the magnitude of what that may be because even today, oftentimes, in our prayer, we're often riddled with guilt in our prayer when we talk to the Lord. Am I somewhat correct in that? That we are, we are sometimes riddled with guilt about our own failings because the accuser of the brethren is always there to point out uh, every little intricate chink in your armor or my armor, and so we have to wade through this measure of guilt sometimes even in our own personal prayer life. And so we, it's hard for us to even imagine what it would be like to have an uninhibited relationship with God. But that's what Adam and Eve have. But because of their disobedience, sin entered into the human race and the relationship, or at least that kind of relationship with God, was broken. And so from the fall, sin has separated men and women from the Lord. In Genesis 3, chapter 3, and all the way through Genesis chapter 11, Moses records multiple accounts of human failure. You can just trace human failure again and again and again throughout these chapters. He also included God's mercy and God's merciful acts to restore the relationship between God and man, at least in a somewhat limited fashion. Adam and Eve just desired to determine what was good and evil for themselves. They wanted to try to determine that themselves rather than to place their faith and their confidence and their trust in God. Even though they were removed from the garden, God in His mercy still communed to, or talked with them to a degree. Amen. Provided a means of covering for their nakedness. Even after their sin, God spoke with them and God provided a covering for their sin, even in their failure. Amen. In the next generation, sins of improper sacrifice and, and murder and on and on revealed mankind's alienation from God. That man in and of himself just didn't have the wherewithal 
to stay in right relationship with God. And so what I'm driving home at, driving home to uh, this morning is this, is that we can't just wheel ourselves in and of our own strength into a proper right relationship with God. It's not, it's not what you're cut out of. It's not the fabric you're cut out of. It's not what you're made of. It's what He is made of. He gives us the strength to live for Him. And so ultimately this gulf because of man's continued failure. In the, in the book of Genesis we read this. Uh, it was that continued failure on man's part. The gulf between God and man became greater and greater and greater. So much so... And again, this year, as I begin to read through the Bible again, I always am somewhat taken by the passage of Scripture where God repented for even creating man and said, I'm just going to totally destroy them all. Now, I think when we're reading passages of Scripture like that, we should realize we're not reading a novel. But this is God that said, I'm done. This is it. And I'm just going to wipe man off the face of the earth and I will start all over again. He is the potter, by the way. But one man, a man by the name of Noah, as you well know, found grace in the eyes of God. And so mercy built a bridge one more time. Broken fellowship uh, soon destroyed the balance and the purpose and, and the righteous goal that God had intended in his heart for mankind. But God was God. And in his infinite wisdom and in his immeasurable mercy, he said, I am going to make a way something that I can point man back toward me. And so then we have the giving of the law, the law of Moses. The law was a tool, just a tool to point mankind back in the right direction. And that right direction was back toward God. It was a tool that was a way to provide a means of restoration And that restoration, ultimately, we understand, because we have both the Old and New Testament today, we understand that that ultimate restoration would be the Lamb of God on a cross. When John said, at the baptism of Jesus, when John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, that was not just something cool and flashy to insert. That was not John just trying to wax eloquent for just a moment. But it was the fulfillment of, a pro- of many prophecies. It was the fulfillment of many major and minor prophets. All of their words coming together in a culmination of time. In a moment of time. The Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful promise. Amen. So the law was this helping them a journey back. And so he gave them prophetic hope day after day, generation after generation. There were these words of utterances that came into the heart and the minds of men. When we started our our journey on this series of foundations, I talked about the Word of God and the validation of the Word of God and how we have the Word of God because holy men were moved on by the Spirit of God and they began to write things down and they wrote of things that they understood not. They had no way of knowing the magnitude of what they were writing. When Isaiah began to pen words about stammering lips, and when Joel began to pen words about, uh, about the, the power of God that would be poured out in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the last days, 
how he began to talk about those things that would, that would come, that were destined to come. Realize this with me, if you will. These men died in faith, not ever understanding the value or the validity of what God was really going to bring about through their words. Won't heaven be a wonderful time? Won't heaven be a wonderful time for these men to realize that I didn't write this in vain? I, I wasn't, you know, when I wrote this down, I, I mean, if they're men like we are, flesh and blood today, I'm just going to, pardon me if I'm not trying to add to the Word of God, but pardon me while I try to color in a blank here, at least in my mind. Is it not possible that these men under the unction of the Holy Ghost wrote some things down and maybe the next day we're looking over their notes and going, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so glad. I'm so glad they didn't erase it. I'm so glad that they... That they in faith just left it in these scrolls. I'm so glad that by faith they, they may have doubted themselves, but they never doubted their God. And so heaven, we talk about streets of gold and gates of pearl and the river of life and on and on and on and seeing our loved ones. But I think heaven is going to be powerful for many, many, many reasons. And, and these men and women are going to realize that they were not being used in vain. But God was using them. And so he gave them hope that one day a deliverer would come. He gave them prophetic hope that their sins would be remitted. That their spiritual death would be turned into spiritual life. Amen. That was God's gift. It was a gift that was coming. You know, many people have attempted to earn their justification. Or maybe another word for justification here. I would say maybe many people have attempted to earn a right relationship with God. And so they think I can do that through my own efforts. As a matter of fact, that's what so often the apostolic church is accused of doing because of our stand on holiness and uh, our abstaining from sin and sinful activities and worldly uh, things of that nature. People often uh, misinterpret that as us trying to be saved by works or that you're trying to garner your salvation or uh, you're trying to do this just through the arm of flesh, and nothing could be further from the truth. Amen. I'm not doing this to be saved, but I'm doing this because I am saved. Amen. I'm not doing this to get the Holy Ghost. I'm doing this because I have the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so that it's, it's God's gift. It's God's gift. Amen. So I, 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 don't, I want to be careful where I go, what I listen to, what I watch, what do I avail myself to. I want to be careful what spirits that I open up in my home, in my own life, or what spirits that I, I take my own temple, the temple of the Lord into. Why? Not because I'm trying to earn something from the Lord, but the Scripture says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to tell you that, uh, that we, we were, there are just activities we would never condone to happen in this building. And it's just brick and mortar. This thing could burn down tonight in, in just a few moments of time. It could, all, it could all be gone. A sinkhole could swallow us in the next three minutes. Hang on. It could all be gone. It's just brick and mortar. But we have dedicated this as a house of God. And so we expect that only religious activities and things of that nature would take place in here. You're not going to come in here and find us auctioning off goats and hogs and, and uh, things of that nature. You're not going to catch all of that going on. Why? Because this is the house of God. And so why, 
If I would preserve this brick and mortar building, why would I just carry this temple anywhere? Why would I allow anything to just, any and everything to go on in this temple? And so efforts of holiness, don't buy into that garbage. Efforts of holiness, is, we're not trying to earn salvation. Nothing could be further from the truth at all. Amen. We, have, we would be unsuccessful if that was our attempt. We would fall miserably short. Nobody can earn salvation by works. No matter how good you are, no matter how worthy you may assume you are, And let me just say this, no matter how worthy you may be or how commendable your life or your contribution to life may be, it is only through faith in God, amen, that we find His righteousness imparted, imputed into us. Amen. Now, let me say this, that faith is expressed and faith is revealed through our behavior and through our obedience. It's one thing to sit in church and say, amen. Praise God. That's right. Preach on preacher. But if we don't get up and obey the word of God, then there's not fruit of that and evidence of that. And so faith is expressed and faith is revealed. And it is, real, it is revealed and expressed in our behavior and in our obedience. James wrote that faith, fails to, that, faith that fails to move us to obedience is not faith at all. That's what James said. Faith, let me say that again. Faith that fails to move us to obedience is not really faith at all. I I, I had to trim down some of the scriptures here from James just for the sake of time. But let me read 3. James 2 and uh, 14 through 16. The Bible says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Now, Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to be saved. So here's, these are not two men debating the issue of faith. No, by no stretch of the imagination. These are not two writers debating the, the, uh, the value of faith. But James is trying to say that you've got to do more than talk about it. He said, if a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, just say to them with your lips, depart in peace... Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? And so if you find someone that is naked and destitute of daily food, you can't just accomplish anything in their life by saying be clothed and be filled. And so you've got to get up and do something about it. Faith has got to have some works. Faith has got to have some fruit. There's got to be some evidence, something that's lived out. And so we can clearly see that action has got to follow words. Words are very cheap. Words are easy to come by. You can say anything. Amen? You can say anything. But it is backing those words up. It is standing up. And, uh, you know, if you're just going to... if Sometimes people let their mouth overload them. And so before you pop off to someone and say, hey, if you don't want to, if you don't like what I'm saying, just meet me outside. Well, what are you going to do if they meet you outside? <laughs> just recently we dealt with not a situation in our church at all, not even a situation with church people, but someone who got in a little bit of a tussle and they said, well, I'll just call my attorney. I said, hey, do you even have an attorney? No. 
So, you know, before you go just throwing stuff on the table, what are you going to do if they say, well, call him? What's his number? I'll call him. I mean, you, 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 you can't just start throwing things out because words, words are cheap. Amen. That's right. True life story. And so by the sin of one man, let us get back on track here today. By the sin of one man, Adam and all human beings were destined to become sinners, born in sin. In iniquity, we were shaping in our mother's womb, born in sin. And so that cute and cuddly child that is fresh and newborn that is brought into this world is born in sin. But Jesus came to reverse that curse. Hallelujah. Amen. That curse of sin on humanity. Jesus came to offer the gift of righteousness that is made available by obedience. Not just something somebody pours out over you. Not something somebody blows on you. Not something that somebody speaks over you. Not something that happens because you shake a hand or sign a roll somewhere. It is made available to us by obedience. Amen. His obedience and our obedience. Amen. His obedience went this far. According to Philippians 2.8, His obedience went all the way to the cross. The death of a cross. Amen. So all of humanity bound by the sinful nature that was inherited through Adam's sin of disobedience. Amen. This Bible teaches us that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. The glory of God that was that was destined for us. And so while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, redeeming us from sin and death. Amen. To reconcile us unto himself. Hallelujah. And so we cannot justify ourselves, but here's what we can do. We can accept by faith the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And in doing so, we are on our way to being justified in the eyes of God. Justification can come only by and through what happened on Calvary's cross. It is God's death on the cross was His gift to humanity. Let me talk about gifts for just a minute. The key word here is gift. A gift cannot be purchased. A gift cannot be earned. And a gift cannot be negotiated. I mean, it is a gift. It is handed to us. And that is... Up to us now whether we will receive that. Pull that into our lives. And so God's righteousness is freely given when we believe in Him and call upon His name. Isaiah 64 and 6 reminds us of this. That our righteousness, if we were to pull all of our righteousness together, it would just amount to filthy rags. Now if that hurts our feelings, just so be it. Isaiah wasn't in the business of trying to win friends and influence people. He was in the business of trying to speak directly into the hearts of mankind. And so all of our filthiness is as, as, all of our righteousness rather, is as filthy rags. And so uh, just like all of us, and just like every person here, we we were one time a child. I realize for the most part I'm speaking to an adult congregation today. But just as children are products of their parents by birth, Not just by birth, but in addition to birth, also by the culture and how we're raised. The culture and how we're raised. So we have the birth, those things that are handed to us genetically, and then we have those things that are are culturally given to us because every family 
has its own culture or own dynamics, whatever word you're more comfortable with there. But we are, we are the result of the nature that we follow. Amen. And so there's very few people, uh, there's very few men, let me just say this as an illustration, there's very few men uh, that, that most likely didn't think that no one could cook like your mama. And maybe not every dish, but your mother has certain dishes that, is, you know, your mama's biscuits or your mama's this or your mother's that. And so the reason we feel that way is because that's, that was the path we were walking down. That's what we were exposed to. And so uh, that's the nature that we follow. An individual who walks after the flesh, you're obviously going to have the characteristics and the traits and the attributes of fallen nature. And so if you walk after the flesh... That's the kind of fruit that you're going to bear in your heart. That's the kind of fruit that I'm going to bear in my heart. By living after the flesh, an individual yields his life always and her life always to carnal natures and carnal desires. And so we're always drinking out of the cup of carnality. And that is a conflict to his created nature. Amen. Our born nature, we're born in sin, but our created nature is the righteousness of God. And so here's this huge conflict that's going on in the heart, in the minds of humanity. Amen. But those that accept and believe in the redemptive purpose of Calvary's cross receive justification through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's an opportunity to begin life afresh. It's a a do-over. It's a fresh slate to start over again. Amen. God's justice and mercy work together to provide an escape for from the slavery of sin. To be bound by sin. Those are not just church words. Those are not just preacher words. But to be bound in sin. Amen. Now listen, when we're talking about salvation and we're talking about faith and even when we're talking about justification, this does not make us immune to sin. We may fail We may commit sin. Why? Because within ourselves, there is no righteousness in and of ourselves. If I were to ask for a show of hands of how many sin this week, it might get a tad uncomfortable. Right? Amen. I I know it would because it got quiet at just the mere mention of it. At just the mere mention of it. And uh, so you never saw that on the radar. And so we, we fail and commit sin because within us, within us, there is no righteousness. Righteousness can only come from our faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that was secured for us on Calvary's cross. And so this, this justification, now I want to be careful here. Do we sin just because we have grace in our lives? Paul said, God forbid. We're not just talking about that we can just go do whatever we want because we can ask for forgiveness of it. I've said many times that at some point you've got to stop repenting for chronic failings and start asking God for deliverance over those things. I mean, you can't just lose your temper and ask God to forgive you and lose your temper and ask God to forgive you and lose your temper and ask God to forgive you. Why don't at some point you stop and say, Hey, God, how about deliver me from this? Ill temper. How, how about changing my attitude here? Amen. We can't just keep falling in the same rut just because we have grace. He said, God forbid. And so justification doesn't give us a license to sin. 
I want to make that very clear. But it gives us the freedom from the guilt of past sins and the, and the power and the freedom to have power over sins. So that we can, we have the, in us a proclivity to sin, a, a nature to sin. We have unrighteousness in the fabric of who we're made to be in our nature. But we can have the Spirit of God living in us that gives us power over that nature. I could tell you this. I could ask for a show of hands of how many people didn't sin this week. And that would be an impressive show of hands. Because you don't have to sin every day. You don't have to sin a little every day or a little every week. Amen. We may stumble. We may fall. If we walk after the Spirit and after the, and not after the flesh, then we will, we will protect ourselves from the freedom, or we will protect ourselves rather from the, from the, the condemnation over sin. And it's going to be very hard to sin if you're doing the right things, if you're praying every day. If you're reading your word, the word of God every day, if you're, if you're listening to and reading and taking in things that are righteous and right and correct, amen, the more of those, of those barriers we begin to build in our life, the less likely we are to participate in sinful things. And so when we walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh, then we are free from the condemnation. Think about this. Now, God chose Moses. God chose Moses, and, and we know that he was God's man for an, a very, very important task. The task of leading the children of Israel out of Egypt's bondage and how many miracles were absolutely wrought at the hands of Moses. I mean, Moses was the key point. It was Moses that stood with his staff over the Red Sea, and the winds began to blow, and they went across on dry ground. It was, a Moses that, it was Moses that was instructed by God to put the branch into the bitter water of Merah, and those waters became sweet. It was Moses that took his rod when the Lord spoke to him and said, Strike the rock, and water came out of that rock. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But can I tell you that God chose a man and used this man after he had committed murder? You see, Moses would have never made it to our list. Because the first time somebody mentioned Moses, somebody would have thrown his picture up on the screen. His little mug shot. You talking about this guy? Did we forget that he killed an Egyptian and buried him in the sand? Did we forget this Moses? This Moses. Now, I, I don't think that God chose Moses because he was running that low on someone to use. Amen. I think that we can learn something through this. We who once were an enemy of the Lord, ourselves, have been chosen as ambassadors of Christ today. And so when someone found out that you got the Holy Ghost, when some found out you got the Holy Ghost, somebody probably said, Who? Are you serious? Do you not know? Did you not understand? Moses, who was once an enemy of God because of his sin, 
had now become a friend of God and a chosen ambassador of the Lord. This was possible because the Lord does not count our trespasses of yesterday to our account. Instead, He chose us to give, chose to give to us a word of reconciliation. That's powerful. Amen. That's what 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20 tells us. A word of reconciliation was given to us. Now, God has always desired to be in a relationship with His people. Amen. However, this was seemingly impossible because of, of God's demand for sin's payment. Again, I want to go back to my opening comment that sin, human sin, is always wrong in the eyes of God. It always has been wrong. It always will be wrong. And so we need to get sin in its rightful place. It is wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. And so we can't justify it. We can't paint it up. Someone said you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still going to be a pig at the end of the day. Amen. So we, you, we can color this ever how we want it. We can number it ever how we want it. We can color code it ever how we want it. You want to talk about white lies and black lies. And it was a, a little bit wrong. It might have been a little bit in error. But, uh, but here we have to realize that in the eyes of God, sin is sin. And so it's, it, it's, it, we, have to, we have to understand that. But He has given us a word of reconciliation. God has always desired a human relationship or a relationship with humanity. He's desired a relationship with His people. However, this was, was, it just seemed like such an impossibility because God doesn't take sin lightly. And so He has a demand for sin's payment. Amen. A demand. And so we experience justification when we realize that the demand for sin's payment was paid on the cross of Calvary. We didn't have to die for our sins. He died in our stead. And so, but because of that, we must always realize the value of Calvary in our lives. Don't ever underestimate Calvary's purpose. Amen. Faith, we need to have faith, but faith alone is not justification. Amen. We have faith in God's redemptive work. We can trust in the cross. Amen. And that trust in the cross, it was the cross that brought us to where we are today. I'm thankful for the birth of Jesus. I'm thankful for the miracles of Jesus. I'm thankful for the ministry of Jesus. The example of Jesus. And on and on and on that list could go. But what we have to realize, that if it had not been for Calvary's cross, Calvary's cross gave us the justification that we need in our lives. It paid sin's ultimate price. Hallelujah. And so the songs about the blood, songs about Calvary, things of that nature, it ought to resonate in our heart. It ought to bring us back to a place of weeping, a place of brokenness, a place of joy, a place of of peace and happiness. Why? All of those emotions. Why? Because we realize that it was that cross, it was that price that brought me into right relationship with the Lord. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Him involves my heart, it involves my mind, and it involves my will. Peter explained to the priest that salvation comes from no other source than the name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Hear me today. Hear me today. I, just, I think yesterday was Brother Huntley began to underline the importance of the name. When people talk about God today, when they talk about God today... 
We think sometimes because uh, of the prism that we look through that they're talking about our God. But our world is inundated with gods today. Gods everywhere. Gods of all shapes, sizes, and colors. And so there needs to be an emphasis placed upon Jesus Christ today. Let's be very clear. When I'm talking about God, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Amen. God who robed himself in flesh and walked among men, to, walked among mankind. And so we must put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. Why? Because faith in any other name, faith in any other object, faith in any other idea, faith in any other philosophy is idolatry. Amen. Let me just back up and say that again today. Because we got to get this in our mind. Our faith in anything outside of Jesus Christ. Amen. Any other name, any other object, any other idea, any other philosophy is idolatry. And God disdains idolatry. Amen. My faith is in Christ. Amen. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And so I've got to put my faith, my trust, my confidence, my hope is in Him. And so when I pray, amen, you just go ahead and brace yourself. I'm praying in Jesus' name. When I move forward, I am moving forward in Jesus' name. Amen. When we, when we are talking about us individually or us collectively, collectively as a church moving forward, we're talking about doing that in the power of no other name than the name Jesus Christ. I'm talking about fundamental, rudimentary principles of what makes the church the church. What makes the church the church is not the key we sing our songs in. It is not the tempo of the music. It is not the beat of the drum or the bass. Amen. What makes the church the church are not those that are that are hold titles or positions. What makes the church the church? Amen. Is the fact that we are built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And Him alone. Can you clap your hands? Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful. I am very thankful to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The psalmist proclaimed that God's Word is forever settled in heaven. It's non-negotiable. It is there eternally and perpetually written. Amen. God's Word can be seen in the writings of the Old Testament. His Word can be found in the teachings of Jesus Christ. His Word can be found in the writings of the apostles. According to Galatians 3 and 24, the law was just a schoolmaster. I mentioned it a moment ago and called it a tool. It was a tool or a schoolmaster that was to bring us to Jesus Christ. The law revealed God's holiness. God's God's requirement, amen, God's righteousness, amen, holiness as a guide to a greater revelation, amen, a greater revelation where the law would not be written on the tables of stone, but it's going to be written in the tables of men's heart, 
Amen. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us, amen, to something else. John the Baptist was not ashamed of his position. He was not ashamed of his role in, in the full scope of time and eternity. He understood the role that he was to play. And John the Baptist went boldly forth, but he taught those that followed him. Amen. I can only baptize you unto repentance. I can only baptize you unto certain, uh, to a certain point. But he that cometh after me, who is mightier than I. He said, I'm not even worthy to tie this man's shoes, if we put it in our today's vernacular. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. I'm telling you this morning. <clears throat> I'm telling you this morning that I have great respect for your walk with God. Amen. For where you are in your relationship with God. But can I tell you this morning that there is more. John said there's one coming after me that is mightier than I. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That mightier than I. Who walked among men. Who dealt among men. Who touched blinded eyes. And they were open and unstopped deaf ears. And raised the dead. And then to a dejected and sad pitiful looking group of men who thought their world had come crashing down when he said I gotta go away they said you can't do this we can't do this without you you can't go away you gotta stay here he said but you don't get it if I don't go away then I can't come back again I am leaving but here's something powerful amen I'm not leaving you destitute I'm not leaving you lonely I'm not leaving you empty I'm not leaving you without but I'm gonna send my comforter Amen. Which is the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And He shall dwell in you. Hallelujah. I can only be with you. But the Comforter can be in you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I realize to some degree I'm preaching to the choir this morning. But let me say it one more time. That's why when Jesus said, It is finished that the veil in the temple was torn. Amen. The veil that had always kept man out of the presence of the holies of holy. Amen. That wasn't done just for show. That wasn't part of the lights. That wasn't part of the, uh, that wasn't part of the aesthetics of the day. Amen. The, the veil was torn in two. What happened? Amen. That said, God was saying, now you have access to the Ark of the Covenant. You have access to the power. Amen. The the anointing of God, that very same ark that used a touch and died. He said, you can freely walk into the presence of the Holy of Holy. My, my, my. Hallelujah. I'm talking about being justified by the power of God. Being justified by the authority of God. Being justified by the Word of God. Praise His name. Praise His name. <coughs> I will not be intimidated, intimidated by these little miniature bottles of water. <laughs> be surprised how far I can go on a sip. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm not doing good on my time today. But I feel, I feel like I need to keep pressing on. Amen. And so I'm, I'm not saying that to chide you, but I, 
I feel like that, that the Lord is in this today. And so his ministry on earth, Jesus spoke with power. And he spoke with authority. God's word is this gift. This non-negotiable gift. Now the word of God. I want to tell you something. There's a, there's a mark of immaturity in the heart of people that don't understand and appreciate the Word of God. Amen. If you can just hit and miss in your church attendance, that is a mark of immaturity. Because you need the Word of God in your life. The Word of God. If you can take it or leave it with Bible reading, that is a mark of immaturity in your relationship with God. Because we need the Word of God. I'm not trying to be unkind today, but I wasn't called here. I wasn't called here to just be the feel-good guy. Amen. I was called here to be a shepherd to tell you that we need the Word of God. The Word of God. Amen. The Word of God. I want to rise to a challenge, not in a, just in our bread program. I'm thankful for systematic approaches that we have to the reading of the Word of God. But please hear me today. It is not just to try to get through it. It is not just an effort to move your bookmark from one page to another. We need to get the Word of God in us. And here is why. It is God's gift to humanity. And here's what comes to us through the Word. It supplies strength in times of weakness. That's what the Word will do for us. Amen. Those times when we feel like we're just going to fail. The Word of God will just be strength. It'll be strength to us. Now listen. I, I know that what I'm about to say may not resonate with everyone. And if you can tell the ushers if they need to bring the children in, that's fine. But what I'm about to say may not resonate with everyone, but I think a few people will understand this. If you have ever been sick enough or weak enough in your body, you, have, you will understand that sometimes you can just drink a cup of broth. Am I talking to anybody today? That a cup of broth which is just next door to nothing. It is not steak, potatoes, and a salad. It is not a key lime pie, but just a cup of broth. And you can feel strength come into your body. Amen. I'm telling you about the Word of God. I feel this in the Holy Ghost today. Amen. That we need the Word of God. We, you, might, you might just... Pour down that cup of broth and slam down the cup and say, well, that was a wasted effort. You may drive home on a Wednesday night and just think, well, that was a waste of time and gas and effort and energy and resources. No, 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 no. Amen. Let that word of God come into your heart. Amen. It doesn't matter if somebody's preaching it that's been preaching 34 years or somebody's been preaching... Three and a half years or somebody's preaching their, for their 34th time. Amen. Let that word of God come in because it will supply strength in the times of weakness. Amen. It will give us wisdom in the time of confusion. It will give us hope in moments of despair. It will give us triumph in the moment and that we face defeat. And it will give us faith when we are facing challenges. I'm telling you that the word of God is God's gift to mankind. And so I'm going to tell you today, put a Bible in every room in your house. 
put a Bible in every vehicle you've got. Amen. If you've got a smartphone or a, a, a tablet of some sort, make sure you've got a Bible app on there. You may be a few minutes in a doctor's office. You may be a few moments. Amen. Getting your oil changed. Turn on that Word of God. Read a few passages of that Scripture and let that Word come into your life. Let that Word come into your heart. The Word, the Word, the Word of God. <laughs> the Word of God. I've shared with this congregation, and will not belabor the details of that again, but I've shared with this congregation through the years of an experience that we had several years ago where a minister called me and gave me certain passages of Scripture, and he said, you need to read this Word. God laid it on my heart to tell you to read this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to tell you there have been times when I felt so disillusioned with the whole process. Is it all right just to confess to you today? There have been times that I felt so disillusioned with the whole process. I'm going to tell you what pulled me out. It wasn't a sermon. It wasn't a song. What pulled me out was not a card where somebody said, I'm thinking about you today. It was not a gift card that said, go to the Lowe's and buy something or go out and eat. Amen. But I went to that passage of Scripture that is highlighted in my iPad. I can prove it to you. Amen. And I read that every day. Sister Baggett, I would sit and hold that. And I would read it. And I would read it when I didn't feel it. I would read it when I didn't believe it. I would read it when I couldn't comprehend it. Hallelujah. I was reading it when it made no sense to me. I was reading it when I couldn't get my mind around it. But I just said, I know my God's Word will supply strength. I know it will give me wisdom. I know it will give me hope. I know it will give me triumph. I know that it will encourage my faith. And so I just kept eating that Word. I just kept eating that Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Until that Word became a part of the fiber of my mind. The Word became a part of the fiber of my soul. The Word, the Word, the Word. Amen. Amen. I think we have landed on a good day again. This is children's church, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> You're catching on to my pattern, aren't you? <laughs> I really did just think about that. So just let her rip. Praise God. Amen. Amen. The Word of God. That word that can just become a part of who we are. To hold on to that word. To hold that word. To believe in it. To trust. To stand on the word of God. Amen. I'm going to tell you the word of God will sustain you. It will give you the buoyancy that you need against all odds. Faith in the Lord. Faith in his word. Amen. Faith in his works. That brings us, brings us to genuine justification. Now, justification... This is why it's so important that I don't just abbreviate this because I'm not just preaching to preach, teaching to teach. I'm actually going somewhere. Justification leads to transformation. The message of Romans 6, 1 and 2 is that we cannot be counted just by God and live in sin at the same time. You're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. If you think you can come here today and just clap your hands, sing, get out in the aisles, speak in tongues a little bit, and just get up in the morning and start cussing like a sailor, treating your wife and family just any old way, acting however you want to act on your job, ripping people off, doing this, doing that. I got a bigger list if you want it. We're kidding ourselves. We're kidding ourselves. We're kidding ourselves. Just like a body can't be dead and alive at the same time. 
You know, you're not, somebody's not just a little bit dead. You're either dead or you're alive. And so we can't just be a little bit saved. We're saved or we're lost. And so we need the Spirit, the power of God, someone that is born again. You know what happens? They obey God. They obey His Word. And they do that from their heart, not begrudgingly. The little boy, his mother, I've used this several times, but his mother kept trying to get him to sit down. She finally made him sit down, and he said, I'm still standing up inside. I don't know who his mother was, but I know who his mother wasn't. <laughs> we would be a nice little tombstone out there. That would be his epitaph. Now you're seated. Now you are seated. And so we obey from our heart, not begrudgingly, not because it's what we got to do. And I'm going to tell you something. It is, it is one of the saddest things that I ever experience in, 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 in church work is to see people who claim to have the Holy Ghost, and they're just some of the most unhappy and the most disgruntled people you have ever met. They're just, they're just ticked off at the world. And it's horrible. And they treat everybody horrible. Amen. There's a sense of self-importance, and, and um, it's just embarrassing. We need to be obedient from our heart, walk right. We need to realize that, that being dead to sin means that, that there's just some things that I'm not going to do. I'm not going there. I, I'm, I'm not participating in that. And we're, we're not immune from temptation. Hear me. We're not immune from temptation, and we're not incapable of sin. But we don't have to sin. I don't have to bow down at that altar. I don't have to do that. Why? Because the Spirit of God enables me to be able to resist sin. Resist the temptations of sin. And so we're, we are to delight in God's law in the inner man. We are to resist the temptation of sin that threatens to regain the upper hand in our life. Because that nature is still there. It is still there. And so we, but we don't have to bow down to it. We only stay dead to sin by staying away from fleshly lust. Amen. When things tempt you, stay away from it. If you can't handle that, be honest with yourself. You just say, you know, that's just a taller mountain than I can deal with. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to abstain from that. Amen. Those are called personal convictions. They're just lines that we set in our life. And you know what? You and the rest of the world may do that. But just for me, that's, that's just something that I can't do. I can't, I can't go there. I can't do that. Amen. So we're dead to sin, but we still live in a fallen world. We have a, a recreation uh, but it will not be complete until we see Him as He is. Amen. We are, we, are, we are in the process. Our resurrection to a new life in Christ is no more less or no less miraculous than His own resurrection. And so we who once were the enemies of the cross have now been reconciled by the cross. Amen. We can experience the joy and our new life can be a productive one because of the one who justifies us. And so with our new birth, we're able to walk in the Spirit and have the mind of Christ. Now that we're alive to God, there is no limit, no limit to the amount of fruit that can be born in our lives. Now, for the last several Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And so I make a direct connection back to that today to tell you that when we are alive in the Lord, there is no limit to the fruit that can be born in our lives. 
Though the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's no limit on that as to how God can use you and that fruit that can be manifested in your life and in my life. And so Jesus taught his disciples, he said, you can't serve two masters. And so you have to make up your mind. So prior to justification, they were servants of sin. Prior to justification, we were servants of sin. Ruled by our own thoughts, ruled by our own drives and ambitions. Our thoughts, our actions, and our desires were all in rebellion against God and His way and His word and His righteousness. But when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, all of our sinful bondage is placed in our past. That's why Paul said this. It's very important to note the wording. Paul said, ye were servants of sin. We were. So when God justifies a person, he frees us from sin, liberates from sin. We become a servant then of righteousness. As servants of righteousness, we produce fruit of holiness. Here it comes. Amen. There is a transformation. There is a change in lifestyle. And, and one of the most dangerous things that people can ever do is just try to reach for holiness without an understanding. If you reach for holiness without an understanding, that is what breeds self-righteousness. But when we understand the process through which we have been redeemed and we have been justified, and it was Calvary's cross, and I was an enemy of the cross, and I was on the outside looking in, but I have been made whole by the blood of the Lamb, not by me. I wasn't deserving of it. God's not trying to keep us in some second-tier position. I'm not suggesting that. But we need to realize where we were. That's why the Scripture says, always remember the rock you were dug, that you were that you were that you came from the mire that you were pulled from amen that we need to remember our past we need to remember where we came from that will go a long way to help us against fight against self-righteousness because paul gives this long laundry list and says and such were some of you and so we have to realize that so we are we're freed from sin and then we become servants of righteousness and we begin to manifest fruit of holiness in our life our language should change how we think should change how we live should change. How we treat one another should change. How we talk to one another should change. How we deal with the very members of our own family. That should all change. How we are, who we are, what we are. Everything should be a change. It's not magical. It's not mystical. It doesn't happen overnight. But I'm thankful for the change, the process, the progress that we see in our lives. Sin intruded man's life by failure and destroyed that relationship. But being justified restored and restores that relationship and then the gift of the Holy Ghost that I mentioned a moment ago allows us according to Galatians 4 and 6 to cry Abba Father Amen we have an advocate we, when we fail we have access to mercy and grace to restore us we're able to commune with God daily daily through prayer through His Word through worship Amen you know we don't just talk to God in prayer but we can commune with God in our worship and our praise and our adoration to Him. We have the opportunity to boldly enter the throne room of God. I know that's a little bit of church vernacular there. 
but we have the we have the 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 clarity that we have the the presence of mind and the permission to just lift our hands wherever we are and say god i need you today to touch this situation i need you to help me i need you to touch my mind my heart whatever it may be we have that we have that opportunity to ask of god justification is not the end of the story it's the beginning of the story toward a new life in Christ. Justification doesn't mean that we become perfect and that we're perfect in and of ourselves, but justification means that God has taken away our sins and the condemnation that came and comes with and from our sin. In His sight, we are just. In His sight, we are sanctified. In His sight, we are alive in Him. Now, I'm not trying to be too elementary. Uh, for you today at all and insult anybody's intelligence. But when we talk about the word justified, I always try to break it down in my mind this way because this is the ultimate definition for justified. Just if I had never sinned. Just if I had never sinned. Justification. And so we're free from the guilt and the bondage of yesterday's failures. We're His children. He loves and will not forsake. And so if we sin, we just need to repent. Get up. If you fall down, get up. Amen. What do we find? We don't find a God that's standing there with folded arms and a furrowed brow. But we find a God that's there with an outstretched arm that lifts us and wants us to, res- to be restored. Amen. I- I'm not suggesting again that we can just do whatever we want and have a license. Because here's something we always need to think about. And that is the law of the harvest. We can sin... And find forgiveness of sin. But there still may be seed of that sin. David sinned with Bathsheba. Got complete 100% forgiveness of that sin. But there was still seed that come up in his life. A baby that was born and died. A forever tombstone in his life. Amen. So I I don't want to just gloss this over. As to say. To leave the wrong impression. Is that all right? I mean, sin is a serious thing. And sometimes we touch things that are wrong, and because the lights didn't go out, we think, well, uh uh-uh. Somewhere that extracted something from us. Somewhere that pulled something from us. Amen. And you know what? in, In this jacket that I'm wearing, if you just got one thread and pulled it out, it probably wouldn't be a big deal. But if you just keep pulling, keep pulling, because it's just made up of thread. And so if you just keep pulling one at a time, after a while, it won't be a jacket. And so after a while, our lives take on the toll of just over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm not trying to turn this into a marathon. I'm, I am closing now if our musicians would come. We are His children whom He loves and He will not forsake. And so we can be lifted up and restored in Him. We're not trying to earn salvation. Here's why you can't. Salvation is a gift. He said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so, it's not good deeds. You can't feed enough homeless. You can't rebuild enough old broken down homes. You can't mow enough yards. You can't bake enough apple pies. It can't be done to earn salvation. It's not our good deeds. It's not our prayers. 
It's not even our witnessing to others that purchase justification. It is the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our lives. And so think about it. As sinners, when we came to God, we had nothing to offer God. We had nothing to bargain with but brokenness. We had nothing to barter with. We had no bartering power to say, well, I will if you will. We just had to come to the Lord in obedient faith. Repenting of our sins. Submitting to water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And here's why. Because there is no other name. No other name. No other name. And so that's why we baptize in Jesus' name. Because we take on His name in baptism. Amen. When we come up out of that water, we can do business in His name. Because the blood has been applied to our lives. And so baptism, baptism is not just a ceremony of getting wet, but it's being baptized in His name. Amen. He said, and that will remit or remove our sins. And it receiving then the gift of the Holy Ghost. We're not justified by merely having faith. We must have faith in Jesus Christ to receive justification. But all aspects of salvation result from what happened on the cross, not from our works. And so it's all about Him. We've got to get out of, from in front of this three-way mirror of us and realize this is about Him. His work is finished. And when it did, it opened a way for you and I. Let's stand together, can we? Jesus was both the sacrifice and the high priest of the cross. His sacrifice was completed and acceptable for our sins. He now stands with all authority. He stands now with all power. Amen. He has the ability and he alone the ability to save, the ability to change. And so we are what we are, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. The blood of the Lamb. Aren't you thankful today that, that the Lord loved you enough provide a way a means and that's what I've been talking about this morning for almost an hour a means a means whereby we can come to him I'm thankful for the power and the purpose of the cross can we lift our hands together would you love the Lord today from your heart for his word This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.